Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamek. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being here with us. We are going to have a ball today. And, you know, early in the call, early in the call, I see that there's somebody on the line waiting. Uh, let me go see if this person wants to speak. And then we'll get into the show. I don't want to leave somebody uh, holding or waiting too long. So let's go ahead and take it. Uh, Rafael, are you here? Uh, let's see. Rafael, are you here? Hello? Rafael. I don't see that you have a mic on, so uh, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and uh, wait to see if you'll come in later, Mr. Rafael Cole. Okay. Anyhow, let's get busy. We, are, we have a great show for you today. You know I say that every single time, but you know we put a whole lot of work to make sure that we have stuff for you. We want to make sure to have stuff for you. Uh, Rafael, call your microphone. It's not on in case you want to talk to us. Your microphone is not on according to what I'm seeing on the screen. All right, let me cue one other, one other device here. We got to get it all on all our channels. So once we get it on all our channels, you'll have my 100% attention. Let's go to Bernie. All right, Bernie, are you there, Bernie? Yeah, it looked like we took care of you, Bernie. Okay. We're going to have a great show for you today, folks. Anyhow, you know what has awoken? Uh, the call-in number, let me put that on the screen for you. Or let me go ahead and pull that up as well for the call-in number. Let me go ahead and do that right now. Uh, uh, put it. I'm going to put it in chat so that everybody can see the call-in number right away. I'm also putting it on the screen. If you take a look at the screen, it's right there as well. But I'm pulling that call-in number to put it in the chat. There are two ways that you can reach us in the chat. You can either call by phone or you can call by computer via Zoom. There is all the information for uh, getting us or coming on in. Anyhow, folks, how are you guys doing today? We're going to have a great show today. What's happening? The super spreader events are continuing. The super spreader events continue. Anyhow, here we go. Uh, title of the show today, let me go ahead and pull that up title of the show today is Texas, the Sleeping Giant Awakens. The Sleeping Giant Awakens. The Latino vote is engaged and Steve Schmidt calls it. And you know I love Steve Schmidt. I love Steve, Steve Schmidt. He's been, he's been doing some, uh, some good stuff on, on, you know, he's been doing some good work. Anyway, Texas Republicans are panicking. Uh, trying to suppress the vote. Two professor studies show an engaged Latino voter. Steve Schmidt makes his call. We always listen to our members. One called me up and had uh, and had some constructive advice. I listened. I, I I intend to listen, and as always, I do. This show has changed many times because of your implementable inputs. In other words, if you give me something that I can implement that makes sense to everybody else. You know it's going to get done. So Norman called me. Norman Reynolds called and said, Egberto, you know what, man? I love what you're doing, but I need you to, uh, you know, there are a lot of great conversation that occurs in the chat. And you know that I know that. And he said, but too often, too often you don't give us enough time responding to the, ch to the, to the chatter in the chat. So going forward, I'll try my best that at 45, at the 45 mark, I'll try my best to be able to do that. I'm going to try to start today, so let's go ahead and go for it. Anyhow, 
Let me get that caller. Caller coming in from 828. Come on in. How are you doing today? Hey, Egberto. It's Hope in North Carolina. Hey, Hope. How are you doing, my friend? Talk to me. We got Kamala Harris in the house in Asheville. All right. Congrats, girl. So how, how was that? Well, I didn't make it over, but I did watch it live, and she did great, and um, she's blazing the trail, and the Trumpsters are, are their little paid trolls are all over Facebook saying, oh, don't elect her. And you know what? How women, okay, all you listeners out there, um, you know, all the other things aside, how women can't support and why they don't support other women is beyond me, okay? I've been on this planet for 58 years. I have my education. I'm a regular reader. I listen to both sides, okay? But I'm telling you guys, I mean, the ERA hasn't even been ratified, and you need to get your head out of your butt and support Biden-Harris, okay? That's my message for the listeners and go Harris County. I'm glad that you guys are voting. Oh, it's good. I have something to play that you guys are going to like. But let me, let me tell you something, Hope. I understand the, I understand the mentality very well. You know, any, any particular group that is aggrieved, I've noticed, any particular group that is aggrieved, they have a tendency to have some sort of a implicit loyalty to the master. You know what I mean? And, and I don't know why. But, I mean, it occurs in minority populations as well. Um, you know, there, there are terms that people have used that sort of derogatory, uh, you know, as far as uh, the slave that lived in the house and the slave that lived outside in the fields. There are all these connotations that show why these sort of structures have lasted so long. And it's because the, the, the enslavement is not with chains, but the enslavement is in the mind. And it's when we free. See, you, you are a 100% free woman. That's why you can say and speak the way you speak. You have to help liberate everybody else. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that the Trumpster is great evidence that the banks are the government. And yes. the government are the banks. And, you know, I mean, support the woman who's trying to frickin' help somebody and keep the planet from melting. I mean, I don't know what planet people are on, you know. I mean, I'm going to have to, like, go up with Elon Musk in the rocket because if Trump wins, I'm definitely – I have to call you back because I'm definitely going to move to Panama or someplace <laughs> like that. But let me, let me tell you, I don't think uh, – look, you can move to Panama, and uh, some, at some time I may move back to Panama, and you know – uh, as I, I did a show with um, with uh, Nico House yesterday to do I had an he interviewed me yesterday and I, his name of his show is Mikasa es su casa so let me tell you hope Mikasa es su casa if you're traveling and you're in Panama and I'm in Panama my home is your home feel free okay my oh. friend oh thank you so much and you're awesome and I'm gonna get off so that other people can call in and listen to the rest of the show thank you so kindly you have a great day hope. Anyway, folks, right, we have some too, great Greta. quick videos to show you today. It's going to be marvelous, as they say. Anyhow, so the first topic is not now. So uh, what Norman said, I think I, Norman is right. Because Norman says, uh, and let me just counter you a little bit, uh, Brother Rudnan. Yeah, I should look, go behind after the show and answer more of the messages that I do. It's a lot because it's not only on Facebook, it's on YouTube. It's all over the place that I have to tackle. So what Norman is saying is absolutely true in that. 
you probably need to get those topics that you can on the uh, on air because some people are only looking at the video, some people are only watching the podcast, and you guys have such great conversation in the feed that it's best if people can hear that as well. And it would be good also if some of you that had that great information in the in the feed would actually call in because you guys are just grandiose. You guys are great. Anyhow, second topic: Donald Trump continues his super spreader rallies. Lying about COVID-19 and the economy. Steve Schmidt breaks down the election. Republicans are a bar of... Uh, oh, Steve Schmidt breaks down the election. Republicans are a, a bar of the Biden... Part of the Biden coalition. He explains why he ensures, a, he ensures a likely Biden win. Texas sleeping giant is waking up. And Republicans trying unsuccessfully to suppress the vote. Then we have a, an interview with Dr. James McCann and Dr. Michael Jones uh, Correa. This uh, to discuss Latino engagement in politics. Latino engagement in politics. That's all right, Michael. Your 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 texting is wonderful, brother. And by the way, let me see. Did you tell us how how you're doing? Uh, air, nose, and throat doctor recommends CT scan. My insurance approved it today. Going tomorrow. Very likely we'll miss your show. Hey, we need you, Michael. Meantime, let's see if a combination of those medicines will work. You will be fine, Michael. You will be fine. Anyhow, let's go to the first video. Here we go with Donald Trump, Mr. Super Spreader. The unhinged Donald Trump continues to have these super spreader rallies. He's doing one in North Carolina. I think it's, I don't know when, but they're expecting 15 to 30,000 people. Think about that spreader event. Think about what he's going to do to North Carolina. He's going to spread the virus throughout by having these big rallies. He needs to be held accountable. That is pretty much should be called man voluntary manslaughter. But check this out and then we'll take it on the other side. The president tonight appeared before his 12th rally in seven days. Tonight, as you'll hear in a moment, he told the audience with a straight face and to applause that the pandemic is ending and we're crushing the virus. Of course, neither is true as the virus continues to crush large portions of our country. Tonight's rally was in Erie, PA. The first lady was supposed to be on the trip but canceled because she is suffering from lingering symptoms from the coronavirus. From the start of tonight's event in the cold and on an airport tarmac, the president sounded like he really didn't want to be there. I didn't need this. I didn't need this. Although we're having a good time and we're doing a good job. No, but it's true. If they did a good job, I wouldn't have run. Once again, the mostly unmasked crowd was tightly packed as the pandemic continues its accelerated and uncontrolled churn across our country. Just yesterday, our country saw nearly 65,000 more positive cases. That's now fueling a spike in hospitalizations. Numerous reports out tonight say the rise in cases could soon push some hospital systems to the breaking point. Tonight, the president described his version of this crisis. We're rounding the turn on the pandemic, 56%, and it's a record, epic job growth, safe vaccines that quickly end the pandemic, it's ending. Normal life, that's all we want. You know what we want? Normal life. Normal life will finally resume. We Now, a humane, moral president 
wouldn't lie to his people about the, the status of the pandemic. He would not because he wants to keep them safe. A humane, moral president wouldn't say, come on out in droves to, uh, to adore me. Come on out in droves to praise me. He would say, stay home. I care more about your safety than for you to come out. Show your support at the ballot box. You don't need to be here praising me. Show your support at the ballot box, but he would have it no other way. Come out and praise me. That is what our president wants. Voluntary manslaughter. Lies. He, you don't, he's lying to his people, and they are there for him because they believe him. Folks, we have a lot of work to do on them. Anyway, folks, so yeah, so you can see this guy's like a preacher, right? Oh, come serve me. Come serve me. Anyhow, um, Steve Schmidt, though, doesn't have much hope for him. Check this out. Steve Schmidt is at it again. Well, actually, he's not at it. He's just given an account of the race. And in all practical purposes, in Steve Schmidt's mind, I think he think it's over, but let's go ahead and take a look at it. But remember, folks, you got to go out there and vote. Make sure your vote makes polls be realized. Check this out. Steve Schmidt, I want you to um, take on a couple of these things here. A winning coalition that includes two former chairmen of the Republican Party, as well as I think Tim Alberta breaks the new ground in his reporting today. And he's been all over the Republican slide into the muck that is Trumpism. Where do you think this race is and how does the Republican um, piece of it fit into the coalition you're seeing behind Biden? Well, Rasmussen talked about the fact that right now the lead that Joe Biden is enjoying is made up in large measure by Republicans. Um, Steve Bannon talked about the fact that he called it the Bannon line, that if you had four or five percent of Republicans who would cross over and support Joe Biden, it would be impossible for Donald Trump to win. So by by no means are disaffected Republicans the majority of Joe Biden's base, but are an important component of it. It's an American coalition. And I think the hangover of everybody's surprise from 2016 is that the size, the durability, the depth of Biden's coalition has just been constantly understated generally speaking, in the media for this race, because no one wants to be wrong twice in an election with Donald Trump. But but Biden has an outsized lead. It's as big a lead as there's been in the modern era of, of politics, certainly this century, you know, at this point in the race. And so when you look at Donald Trump's comportment, you look at the rallies, you look what's going on, you look at all the totality of the stories, you know, this is a campaign that's in collapse pulling down its TV buys, it's out of money, it's squandered a billion dollars. I mean, Donald Trump's the first candidate in history to spend a billion dollars and make a situation worse. But the entire campaign is built on a premise that he's done a good job for the last four years. And I think the American people have a really good, strong understanding of what a disaster we're in. And then we're in this disaster because of the incompetent who sits behind the Resolute desk. You can't argue with that. It's clear who he thinks is going to win. And he, it's clear also, I don't know if you, you heard within the words, and it's something that you guys have heard me say before, and that is I think the, the, what the polls are actually showing are an undercount. A lot of people that are out there that re, I've never seen Texas react the way Texas is reacting and, many, and Georgia and many other states. Folks, there is something 
I believe we are going to see something very, very big on election night fairly early on that Tuesday. But folks, you must go out there and vote in overwhelming numbers. What we must see is a repudiation of Trumpism, which has been a cancer, which has been an evil on America that we have not seen since its inception. Because again, remember how we were born. Again, go out there and vote. And let's make sure to move America a few more steps from the backslide that it has done over the last four years. Now, folks, and if you doubt that Republicans don't realize the bind that they're in, including here in Texas, this next report that I'm going to show you, listen to it. Listen to what they're doing. Listen to what they're trying. This is desperation. But you know what? It's over. It's over. And it's not coming back because we have changed what this country uh, was, in fact, and we're, we're moving from a country that abused the many to a country that supports the all. Check this out. Texas is the sleeping giant. And I, you know, I've been wondering, we've always said Texas is not a, a red state. Texas is not a purple state. Texas is a blue state because the average Texan is a progressive except for those on the borderlines. And let me tell you, the, the sort of voting that we're seeing in Texas now corroborates that. Check this out. In an election year where how you cast your ballot could mean putting your health at risk, states have looked to creative voting measures to get people safely to the polls. But in some places, the expanding voting access has come with increased pushback. The clerk of Harris County, Texas, the county that includes Houston and over 2 million registered voters, has asked the Texas Secretary of State for assurance that the votes that are cast in the county's drive-in voting initiative, where you can actually cast your ballot from inside your car, will count come election day. This comes after an election guidance letter published last week by the Texas Attorney General cautioned officials against drive-in voting, saying, quote, COVID-19 does not render a voter physically unable to cast a ballot inside a polling place without assistance. This is not the first challenge to drive-in voting. Last week, a judge dismissed a lawsuit from the Texas Republican Party that attempted to halt the program altogether. Joined now by Houston County Clerk Chris Hollins. I'm trying to understand the downside of allowing drive-in voting, and I can't figure it out. Do you know what the real issue is with the Texas Attorney General? Uh, the real issue, Chuck, is that people are voting. Uh, we've seen over 800,000 voters here in Harris County alone make their voices heard at the polls, uh, and that number seems to scare the Attorney General. Uh, you know, drive-through voting is completely legal under the Texas Election Code. Uh, it takes place inside a movable structure, which the Texas Election Code uh, clearly uh, contemplates. But we're asking the Secretary of State to come out of the shadows here uh, and make clear to Texas voters that their votes are going to be counted. You're asking for the Secretary of State for some clarification. Did you view the AG's letter as more of an intimidation tactic than an actual legal notice? Well, it's certainly a threat. Uh, and these cases filed by the Republican Party are absurd, but because so many votes are at stake, we have to take them seriously. And the Texas Secretary of State has a statutory duty to advise and assist county election officials on election matters. And our offices have worked very well together throughout this election season until conspicuously they went silent in the past few days. Did you get pre-clearance for this drive-through? 
uh, voting option? Uh, we did. I mean, we've looked at a number of opportunities to expand access to the polls for Harris County voters. Uh, but the, te the Texas Secretary of State's office uh, made clear to us that the structure that we were using uh, would be okay. And in fact, the state director of elections has testified under oath uh, that drive-through voting uh, is okay as long as all voters have equal access to drive-through voting centers. And so we've certainly held up our end of the bargain. Voters love it. About 10% of Harris County voters have cast their votes at drive-through voting centers. But now the state Republican Party, the Harris County Republican Party, and now it seems the attorney general uh, are trying to disenfranchise those voters. Have they given any sort of other rationale? They said it might not count because they said it doesn't meet this this uh, disability requirement. Uh, is there some fan phantom fear of voter fraud here? I mean, is there something I'm missing here that would make this fraught with peril? You're not missing anything. Uh, the check-in process at these voting centers is exactly the same as it is everywhere. You show a valid uh, voter ID uh, that is checked and confirmed against the voter rolls, and then you're allowed to vote on, a, on the same voting machine that everyone else uses. Uh, you just happen to be doing so conveniently and safely. And so voters are thrilled at this opportunity, and so many voters have appreciated the, uh, the way that we've allowed them to vote safely. Uh, the fear here is that voters are voting. Uh, that is what our attorney general doesn't like to see. Uh, and clearly the, the Texas Republican Party shares it. If these votes get deemed illegal or against regulation and, and somehow you're told you have to change your way. If I'm living in Houston and I did this drive in voting and I'm watching this segment, I'm going, oh, no, are they going to throw out my ballot? We're confident that this it was well within the bounds of the law that every vote that is cast with drive through voting will be counted like every other vote. And again, this is a third lawsuit. But because so many votes are at stake, we are taking it seriously. Uh, we have filed multiple briefs now with the Texas Supreme Court, uh, and we expect that the Texas Supreme Court will do its job uh, and uphold uh, the sanctity of these voters' votes here in Harris County. Uh, you know, we look down on efforts to scare voters, uh, to confuse voters. Uh, and anything like that, we're not going to stand for. And the voters have made that clear by coming out in record numbers. Uh, they don't like to be messed with. They wanted to have their voices heard. Uh, and they're doing so, uh, again, in record here in Harris County in November of, of 2020. We spend a lot. Absolutely so. So you see what's happening. The sleeping tiger is starting to wake up. We think it's going to be completely awake by November 3rd. But if it's not, no matter what the case is, it's waking up. And here is the deal. They are so scared. They are putting in all kinds of restrictions to try to slow down the vote. Now, this they can't win this one. But what they can do is put the fear of people, maybe I shouldn't go vote because I don't know if my vote's going to count. Folks, everybody go out there, whether you go in the lines or whether you go in the car. If you can go to the grocery store, you can vote you can stand in that line and vote, or you can go in your car and vote here in Harris County, but make your voices heard, because until we do that to show that what has been done in this country for all these years have simply been minority rule, let's finally allow America to see what America stands for. Let's make sure to show what America really stands for, real America, not a false or a facade. Anyhow, for those who kind of doubt what we're saying, uh, this is today's poll. I have the other one from Queen Impact. You know, I get all these polls in every day. 
And right now in Texas, we are at 47, 47, uh, Biden and Trump. And you know what happens in elections where they normally break? They normally break for the incumbent. When you find that the person is not over 50%, the incumbent is not over 50%, you got to watch out. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Anyhow, so that's where we're at. Texas 47, 47. But where they have their hopes pinned is uh, Pennsylvania. Look at Pennsylvania, 51-43. Let me put that a little, uh, so you can see it a little better. 51-43. 51-43. And check that out. So Biden is at over 51%. A lot of votes are already in, which also means that he has to take votes away from, uh, from, from Biden. So folks, you got to keep going out there every single day. Every single day. Talk to your friends, your family, your relatives. We don't just want a win. We want a repudiation. It is imperative that we get a, an actual repudiation so people can understand, so the rest of the world. It's not a, this is not a vote just for America. This is the rest of the world to restore our dignity around the world, to stop us from being the laughing stock around the world. When we go across the world now, yeah, look at them people who elected Donald Trump. Look at those guys who elected that, that dude that doesn't know basic arithmetic. Look, they elected that guy that, is a, that is, a, is a laughing stock of the rest of the world. Can you believe they elected that guy to hold the atomic bomb codes? That's what the rest of the world think about us. Let's redeem ourselves. Then we can ask for, we can ask for atonement, right? Because we made a hell of a mistake and the world... Is paying the price for it. This pandemic that has hit all over the world in the days of Obama, in the days of even in the days of George Bush number two, George Bush number one, Clinton, these guys, when these things were about, they took care of it as presidents. We didn't agree with them all the time on the way they did it, but they took care of it. Then we elected a complete you guys know what. And this is what we got. He killed over 220,000. Americans. And do I have any qualms in saying he killed them? No, he murdered them. This president, that's what he did with his lies, his incompetence. And, and even now he's killing more as he has these super spreader events. Who cares about people and exposes them to death like he has? Who cares about people? And exposes them to what he's going to expose them to. Now, just before, uh, we're going to do that in that, um, the interview that we have with the two professors, the two doctors, in a minute. But, you know, we're at the halfway mark. So I have to do my little pitch. Give me two minutes here. Please, folks, you see that book on the screen? It's called It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. Please go ahead and get that book. Here's the link directly on Amazon to that book. And if you want to... You can also get that book at our store. If you go to our store, of course, you're, you're taking out the middleman. That means not only are you taking out the middleman, but I will send you the book autographed with a few other goodies in the, in the book, something like this, with a sticker that has, with our uh, bumper sticker, all that good stuff I normally send out with the book. So or if you order the book directly at store, uh, at politicsandright.com slash store, I'll send you a little few goodies in the box. If you uh, want to just go ahead and get the e-copy, you can go to Amazon. I gave you the link there, or you can just look up Egberto Willis at Amazon or the name of the book at Amazon. So please go ahead. By the way, get in this book. Help support this show. But there are other ways to support this show. Please go ahead and click that Join button. 
please click on that join button and become a part of our posse. If you hit that join button, it's very, very, look, next to nothing. It's like saying, Egberto, I like what you do. Here's a cup of coffee. Uh, that helps us. We need hundreds, thousands of those to keep us continually viable. If you do that, uh, we'll be happy. So if you're on YouTube, just click the join button. If you're not on YouTube, you can still join our YouTube posse. We have little things that are going to be coming up for that. Just go to politicsdoneright.com, politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube, and I just added that. So if you're not on YouTube right now, but you're on, on Twitch or, or, or um, Facebook or what's the other one that we're on, or Periscope, just click on that button, politicsandright.com slash YouTube, and you can join our YouTube posse. Of course, you can always support us at uh, our Patreon location, which is politicsandright.com slash Patreon, or you can support us via PayPal by going to politicsandright.com slash PayPal. Thank you so kindly. Now, let's go ahead and move on. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the interview. Here is an interview with the two professors. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of Politics Done Right. My name is Egberto Willis, your host. We're here with Dr. James McCann, professor of political science at Purdue University, and Dr. Michael Jones-Correa, professor of political science at UPenn. Men, welcome aboard. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Look, um, uh, one of the issues that's been out there in the ethos is that the Latino vote has been taken for granted for a long time. And that has a lot to do uh, with maybe the Latino vote not showing up at the polls. Now, here comes Donald Trump and Donald Trump completely disparages the community. As I understand, uh, uh, James, you have some thoughts on, on that and what the effect it will actually have on the voting performance of Latinos this cycle. What's your thoughts? Well, we, we both have some thoughts, Huberto. Uh, uh, but I, yeah, I can jump in and say that, um, yeah, I mean, with the Latino vote based on current polling, maybe about a quarter to 30% uh, might be somewhat favorably disposed towards Trump. So the bulk of the population is, is certainly not uh, uh, very supportive of Trump. Um, the big question, as you suggest, is voter turnout. What we picked up on in our surveys is a fair amount of engagement, and other people have uh, mentioned that as well. So that would bode well for pretty good turnout this November. Um, um, Michael, do you want to chime in on that? Yeah, no, our, our book, which just came out, uh, Holding Fast, uh, makes an argument that Latinos, uh, Latino immigrants reacted to uh, Trump's candidacy and election in 2016 by uh, not going underground, but rather by becoming more engaged, uh, more civically engaged on a number of measures, even if as they were increasingly unhappy with the direction of the country and the, and the direction things were taking, uh, but they uh, became more active in a number of different ways by um, everything from joining meetings to attending protests. Uh, and so that bodes uh, well for their engagement uh, in 2020. Uh, and you already saw signs of this in 2018. Now, uh, Dr. Manuel Pastor has the, is under the belief right now that uh, while much of that may be true, that the Biden campaign has uh, probably neglected, uh, neglected quite a bit the Latino population. Now, look, I am both black and Latino, and I can tell you that on the black side, I see a lot of engagement from uh, from 
from Biden in, the, in these different communities. And I must say that I've also noticed not as much in, in front of um, the Latino community. In fact, he had a fall paw when he said, oh, uh, uh, black folks are a bit more, uh, a, a bit more unified or in, in concert than Latinos. I understood what he meant because after all, the Latino community is very vast. Uh, do you think that he is missing something that by not being able to engage these communities where they are? Uh, Florida, we have Cubanos in, uh, in, the, in the Southwest. We have uh, mostly Mexicans. Uh, in the I-95 corridor, we all have a lot of uh, Puerto Ricanos. What are your thoughts, um, uh, Michael? So I, I don't think that, that he's wrong necessarily. I think that, that the Biden campaign uh, took a was slow getting off the mark. And so, you know, keep in mind that, that Biden uh, really didn't have much of a campaign structure, I will say. True. Even, even as he was winning the nomination and his campaign has come together uh, uh, really at, at, toward the end of this, of this cycle um, and a lot of money coming in. And that's important uh, because he is now beginning to spend that money. And so I'm now beginning to hear about uh, regional uh, Latino directors, uh, state directors. Uh, so there, oh, there are now people being hired on the ground. There is now more outreach on the ground. But there's, it's also clear to me that this is playing a catch-up game and he is sort of uh, behind where uh, you would expect. Now, James, don't you think a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, I, I, I was talking to a, a few candidates here in Houston, and I was really upset with a lot of the ads that they had out there because I always I believe they don't go for the jugular the way, let's say, Republicans would. Now, uh, that said, I think part of the problem as well is that these campaigns work with a lot of, and I'm not going to call the prof. I mean, you guys see how things work, but a lot of people in these universities don't know what's happening in the barrios. They don't know what's happening in Appalachia. They don't know what's happening in the ghettos. So, um, and, and generally speaking, they don't put the monies in those communities and the leaders in those communities. Do you think that both of these campaigns in this case, James, or do you think they're doing the right thing as far as how they're dispersing these? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, to echo a point that Michael made a minute ago, uh, Biden is playing catch up. Um, it, right now, though, he's, you know, pretty well flush with cash. And so in the home stretch, uh, there's going to be more and more investment. But yeah, the that, you know, the, the kinds of places you're mentioning, yeah, they have been under mobilized. And that's a sort of historic story. It's not just with Biden, but traditionally, we could fault the American party system actually, uh, you know, in our polling, we found that Latino immigrants tend to tilt towards the Democrats. And that's not exactly front page news, but the partisanship tends to be rather thin. And I think a lot of that has to do with the choices that the party makes, uh, you know, from election cycle to election cycle. Well, interest, go ahead. Uh, yeah, uh, Dr. To say that, uh, you know, parties historically, as Jay was mentioning, uh, have reached out to people who are already engaged. So you, if, if you voted before, then they contact you. But if you're a new voter uh, and part of a new electorate, immigrant voters, young voters, uh, voters who haven't historically voted in the past or kind of weak partisans, as Jay was mentioning, then parties are much less likely to reach out to you. 
and this has meant uh, a kind of historic disinvestment in the Latino community and, and, and the immigrant community more, more broadly. Uh, they just, the parties, both parties, not just Biden, have not done outreach to these new voters. You know, yeah, um, let me tell you, if, if I yeah, could go check, ahead, please. Um, one additional thing to, to, to add to that is that the political parties, I think, could be faulted for playing such a short game, right? That they sort of come alive during campaigns to serve the immediate wow. needs of the candidates. And it's sort of once the election is over, poof, okay, the parties sort of go completely dormant. So it would help them, I, I believe, if they played a somewhat longer game and cultivated these emerging constituencies. That's prescient. I mean, ab that is an absolute fact. Now, I, I tell you what's interesting, though, right? Uh, you can take that exactly and, 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 and move it on to what's occurring today, Pennsylvania, Florida. We look at we all know that we have to bring a whole lot of people into the into the fold, as both of you have just explained. We look at Pennsylvania, we see uh, in the case of Republicans, they have a huge advantage in new registrations since April. We look at Florida, we have the same thing. Donald Trump played an interesting game. Uh, there, is not, there are not a lot of voters that are, I, I shouldn't say a lot, that are Republican, but they know how to go ahead and hunt them. And part of doing that is exactly what you're talking about, and that is, identifying those people. And I've, I've started to, say, I, I don't know about Republicans in general, but I can tell you about the Trump campaign in particular that is actually hunting people. And if you take a look at what they've done, it seems like they've done that. But we want to talk about your book, Holding Fast, Resilience and Civic Engagement Among Latino Immigrants. Who wants to tell me the, the tenet of the book in the first place? All right. Well, Michael gave a very nice thumbnail sketch a few minutes ago, so I'm going to amplify on that. Um, the sort of dominant storyline is that uh, Latino immigrants following the 2016 election exhibited, as one might expect, an awful lot of anxiety about what's coming next and a great deal of disappointment. Uh, that was sort of a dominant thread in media coverage following the 2016 election. So we measure that through surveys, okay? But we also find a fair amount of anger, understandable anger. And so the, the sort of mixture of disappointment, anxiety, and anger, that mixture are, it's all a, a sort of powerful driver of political engagement. So the, the big question is, given these reactions, um, will you go underground and sort of go into duck and cover mode and, and even reconsider whether you wanna remain in the US over the long run, or is there resilience? Is there constructive pushback? And we find much more evidence for the latter. Um, we find that uh, the immigrants in our study uh, expressed a, a deep loss of faith in government institutions under Trump, but at the same time, they did not lose faith in America on the whole. There's, just as much trust in other Americans, just as much patriotism. There's no deeper desire to, you know, kind of leave the country and return to the country of birth. And there is uh, a considerable amount of engagement in real political activities, all the way from protest activities to everyday kind of pedestrian sorts of activities, like going to school board meetings and things like that. So no. we take that as a good sign of, kind of the ongoing incorporation of immigrants into U.S. democracy. 
Now, were we talking uh, just documented immigrants or undocumented immigrants as well? Everybody. Uh, so uh, our sample has, uh, so these are all first generation immigrants, people who have migrated to the US themselves. Uh, so it includes people who have naturalized, people who are legal permanent residents or green card holders and undocumented uh, residents as well. And for all of these groups, we found that the patterns of uh, sort of holding fast, remaining engaged, uh, remains true uh, even if uh, people were undocumented. Uh, you know, people who are citizens are engaged at higher levels than the undocumented, but everyone stays engaged. You know what was interesting? I went to um, Arizona. Uh, was it Arizona? Uh, I'm sorry. I went to Nevada uh, to work the to work the polls with um, Bernie Sanders, and I stood outside of uh, different Latino supermarkets. And what was um, what we found most amazing was that most of these uh, Latinos that were coming out were not engaged in the in the body politic but when we made the case to them uh they immediately wanted to vote they they felt like oh you mean i can actually have control and it wasn't like sitting in front of a safeway or something this was a latino market and they were ready to talk and they would tell you stories and and it, it that that's a feeling that i got did you capture uh, in, in, did, did you capture that kind of Latin community, or did you capture, let's say, the, the Latin community that was already integrated into the U.S.? Um, yeah, well, I, I, we tried to capture as comprehensively as possible the entire Latino immigrant community, and so we have, um, you know, many people in the sample have lived in the United States for decades. Okay, but we also have some relative newcomers in the sample. Um, and, and that was an important thing that, that we wanted to investigate. You know, how do these two different kinds of um, groups vary in terms of their reactions? And one of the things we found is that they don't vary a whole lot, right? right. It's a sort of one size fits all uh, kind of framework that we have here in the book that, that even immigrants who are rather well established in the United States still felt as much kind of disappointment and anger and, and anxiety about where politics was going. And, and they were just as sort of engaged because of that. Now, one of the things that people are worried about when it comes to voting, uh, et cetera, is that a lot of Latino households are mixed. In other words, they may have an undocumented person within that household. And because they want to attract the least attention, uh, have you found that that could possibly affect whether they vote or not, whether they participate in the census or not? Yeah, so this is what social scientists call mixed status households. Right. A fancy way of saying what you're saying. And uh, uh, so one of the interesting things uh, we found was that uh, not only were people feeling a sense of threat and anxiety for themselves, but they were feeling a sense of threat and anxiety for their uh, people who were close to them, friends, families, loved ones. And if when we ask them, you know, are you fearful or afraid of the possibility that someone close to you uh, will be deported, um, 
people who felt that fear for people close to them were also more likely to be civically engaged. So uh, there was a link between the sense of threat for people who they loved and their willingness to, to become active in, in civic life in the United States. So, uh, so to answer your question, you know, even if you're a citizen, even if you're, the, even if you're US born, uh, we speculate that that sense of anxiety and fear for people close to you uh, is, will engage people in, uh, in American politics. Now, in your analysis, did you break down, did you, do a, did you do the breakdown based on Biden's confusion? In other words, that uh, Latinos are so diverse in, in, uh, and may also have diverse attitudes towards politics. Um, yeah, in our analysis, we do pick up on a lot of the diversity, diversity with respect to partisanship. Um, uh, we compare and contrast uh, you know, Mexicans who were uniquely singled out in so many ways uh, versus non-Mexicans uh, to see if there are any differences there. And, and actually we find relatively few differences. That's oh, really? an interesting finding between Mexicans and non-Mexicans in terms of their sort of fearfulness of politics, uh, the anger that is expressed, the disappointment in the country. So um, as, as I say, to, to hark back to what was mentioned a few minutes ago, it's a sort of almost one size fits all, or it's a very encompassing kind of conclusion that we have that, that Latinos across the board tended as a group um, to, to really react negatively the way we pick up on and, and to kind of demonstrate in response that resilience and engagement. Well, you know, I, I really like the title of the book, uh, Resilience and Civic Engagement. You know, that is sort of what we promote here. That is what we are into. Now, um, to, to end this, what I'd like, uh, you know, for you to do is tell me something that I didn't ask that you wanted me to ask about not only your book, but about what's happening right now in our politics. Well, uh, one thing that Jay mentioned, uh, which I'd like to pick up on is that the story where we found is a national story and that we thought there might be more differences, say, between uh, residents living in California and residents living in, say, uh, states like Arizona. So uh, California has a reputation for being a very welcoming state for immigrants and Arizona, a very unwelcoming state. And what we actually found is there are remarkably, again, few differences. So if you're an immigrant living in Arizona or California, you react much in the same way to Trump's election and Trump's uh, presidency. You're, you're, uh, you feel threatened and you're resilient. Uh, and this is kind of interesting. And to think about that there's a nationalization of politics uh, uh, taking place, uh, which is true for immigrants as it is for many other Americans. James? Boy, um, uh, what to add to that? Yeah, that's, um, let, yeah let me say that, um, uh, you know, to maybe expand on the thinness of democratic partisanship, okay? What we found in the book uh, is that while, you know, Democrat, sorry, immigrants who have a party affiliation will say that they're Democrats by a ratio of say maybe uh, four or five to one, um, there still is an awful lot of, uncertainty out there about the political parties. Uh, when we ask questions about 
which party best represents the interests of Latinos or immigrants in general or women and children and business owners, um, the typical response is often a shoulder shrug. They're not really sure, okay? So, so let me just say to amplify on, on what we mentioned before, the, the, I think the political parties really need to work a bit harder, right? To reach out to, to these new constituents. That's a very good point, uh, point and a good place. And Dr. James McCann, Professor of Political Science at Purdue University, and Dr. Michael, jo Michael Jones Correa, Professor of Political Science at UPenn, authors of Holding Fast, Resilience and Civic Engagement Among Latino Immigrants. The, uh, we'll have the book posted at the website as well as on the lead. Uh, thank you so kindly for having been here with Politics Done Right. Uh, well, thank you very much. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. I sure enjoyed the interview. Um, let me put the telephone number on the call like I told you now. Let me go ahead and head to the, to the, to the chat, see, uh, see what, what we're doing. Let's see. The bridge says, uh, Bridge MCP, politics done right with Egberto Willis. I am not sure about this. Here, we're, let's see, here where I live, which is huge Trump area, we have many, many Latinos. They are put down, some beaten, many undocumented, yet they do not follow the news. Many are uneducated, and those born here are more for their country than this country. And yes, they like Trump. Uh, they believe the conspiracy theories. That amazes me. Look, let me tell you, I, I, I get that. I get that. Um, here's the beginning. or here, here, Here's the, the, the reality. If you take a look at how people's minds work, right? Uh, you'll see that those that just came over here, they'll still have that affinity for their country, but that doesn't mean anything towards America itself. Now, what they do suffer is the same enchained minds that we have, right? That women have, that black people have, that Latinos have, right? Because anytime you are on the lower side of the pecking order, the only reason you can remain there is if your mind is enchained not to realize that you are the powerful one. And that is what we have to work on. Why I am doing this kind of program to say we all can be empowered. Because it is the, it, it is the lack of empowerment of, of minorities. It's the lack of empowerment by women. It's the lack of empowerment than the indigent, than the disabled. We have to realize this country is non-existent without us all. And as such, let's remember that we should partake the same way as anybody else in this country. And once we get that, what you just said, Bridge, what uh, Hope talked about before as well, we'll be able to take care of those particular issues. All right, let me see what else I got here. Let me see what else I got here. My worry after Biden was uh, wins the election is the movements going on right now over police brutality and global warming stall out. No, no. The reason Black Lives Matter is not in the streets right now, the reason a whole lot of these organizations are not in the streets right now is because they are doing a hiatus so that Trump cannot use uh, that meme that he's putting out there. Oh, American streets are burning. They're burning up. They're looting. We got to get that away. So we played the smart move, not on the streets right now, but after this election, there's a lot of demands that are going to, uh, to Biden. We will have Biden execute lest he has one term. 
or rather less Democrats have one term. Uh, so what about systemic racism? Uh, my, one of my friends in another chat room is saying, what about systemic racism? It's all good and well. But systemic racism can only occur with, and I'm going to name this term, Uncle Tom's enablers. Enablers. Women can only lose their rights because there are enablers. There is systemic things. But you can't have a minority control a system unless we acquiesce to them. And too many of us acquiesce to that. So yes, systemic racism is real. But to counter systemic racism, we can't fall into the trap that we are the corporate shrills. We are the, we are the maintainers of the, the, the legal system. We are the maintainers of the what, – what is the word that I like to use all of the times? You guys hear me use it all the time. We are the enforcers. We are the guardians of the gate. We are the guardians of the gate. Somebody also tell me, uh, BS, BS. Okay, we got to talk about that some more, but I'm running out of time so we can uh, talk about it a little bit more. But uh, anyhow, let me see what other messages I have here. Let's see what other messages I have here. Bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Wow, you guys are loaded up. Jesus. Okay, Brian G says, vote early. Our Republican Governor Abbott banned straight tickets there are so scared of a blue wave. I actually enjoyed voting against each and every one of the 60 ones. I get you, brother. I get you. I did that too. This, I, in the past, I never voted straight ticket. Okay? Now, recently, what, with the cabal that we had, I was forced to do that. Right? And I continue to do that. And I did it this time as well. All right, let's see. Come on, guys. Let me see what else is here. I, I can't answer all of them, but what I'll do is I'll go back to it as my friend says. I got to keep up with what I am doing. So you guys have got it. I will. I will. I will. Para ver qué más está aquí. Vamos a ver. Uh, hey, Rudnan, I hope you're taking care of yourself. Hey, Hope, thank you for calling in. That was a good message that you had for the rest of us. And I love that you brought up the woman issue, um, uh, Hope. You brought up an important issue with women. And I hope I answered that the way, uh, in a manner that uh, women didn't find uh, condescending or that black people didn't find condescending or that Latinos didn't find condescending. But a lot of times uh, when we're putting our words out there, sometimes because it is true, it has a condescending twang if you're not going to do something about it immediately. Uh, Michael Rodden says, Egberto, if you have stuff to talk about, you can get back to the comments after the show. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, let's see. I got a lot, another one down here. Lee Grant says, Bridge MCP. Either way, we'll get violence. You are out of control. There is going to be no violence. All of that is the fear mongering up to the, up to the uh, thing. There will be sporadic violence likely, but we won't have uh, like some sort of a revolution. And the, I, I am more concerned if it's a stolen election for Trump, what will happen than if than for the proud boys to just go into the corner that they belong in. Okay, I got to welcome all my peeps. Bridge MCP, welcome aboard. Lady Dina and husband, welcome aboard. Michael Rudnan, welcome aboard. Lee Grant, welcome aboard. Mike Cisak, welcome aboard. Uh, para ver quien más está aquí. Uh, Tank28, welcome aboard. TYTA, welcome aboard. Uh, let's see. Oh, wow, it's a lot of messages. AVQ, welcome aboard. Madre mía, madre mía, madre mía. Okay, uh, where we go? Brian G., welcome aboard. Uh, Mike, welcome aboard. 
let's see. Tank 28228. We have two tanks? You mean I'm going to have to deal with a tank on Twitch and a tank on YouTube? All right, I'll do it. Still love you, man. Michael Cisak, you know I still love you too, brother. You guys are not on the right side of history, but you'll, you'll, you'll come back. You'll be, you'll be fine. All right, let's see. Who else? I know I missed some. If I missed Nanette Bird-Smith, welcome aboard. If I missed you, just throw something to the bottom. Robert Greico, welcome aboard. Daniel Lado, welcome aboard. Uh, who else is here? Who else is here? Wow. Uh, and, and by the way, folks, I can only see the messages in the main Facebook page as well as Twitch, uh, Periscope, and YouTube. If you put it in any of the places where we share, I won't see those particular messages. Uh Unless I go over there. So bear with me a second on that. Uh, let's see who else. T- Jesus Christ? Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Let's see. A few messages came in. Let me see if there's anyone else that I need to. Uh, probably the same. <laughs> yes to all of them. Well, thank you, Breach. I'm so, I, I'm, so, I'm so touched. All right, folks. Folks on YouTube, if you want to become a part of our YouTube posse, hit that join button and become. Remember, it's just a cup of coffee that you're getting for politics done right. Hey, isn't it worth it as we are changing the world? Come on now. You know that's what we're doing. Anyhow, uh, let's go ahead and uh, see what else. Please go ahead and get the book. Um, I mean, it'll really help you speak. You know, the reviews are pretty good. I was on a show yesterday with uh, Nico House. And Nico House did a piece on the same kind of policies we were talking about on the book. So check that out. Here's the link to go get the book at Amazon. But if you really want to call out the middleman, you can go ahead and get the book at politicsdoneright.com slash store. Again, that is politicsdoneright.com slash store. Here, whoops, here is that link. Now, and please consider becoming patrons. We have really slowed down on patrons. I don't know. We need our patrons now. Go to politicsdoneright.com slash patron. That's the list there. And, of course, there's always PayPal. Go to, and here's the link, to politicsdoneright.com slash PayPal. Folks, I know you guys have many other places that you have the option to go to. The Internet is vast. The Internet is huge. I am simply thankful that you guys have the wherewithal to come out here and be with politics done right. We have a lot more that we intend. Remember, this election is only the beginning. It is only the beginning. We have a lot more to do after the election. In fact, the hardest work comes after our landslide win because everybody is going to be looking at Biden and they are going to deserve a piece of the action too, a piece of the win. The Republicans that are supporting Biden, we can't just throw them to the curve. We have to listen to them now. They're going to be part of this landslide. This is what we've been always talking about. But we cannot forget the progressive wing. The progressive wing is the preemptive people within this movement. And we will get Medicare for all, eventually. We will get the Green New Deal. I mean, when you hear conservatives not calling it good good, uh, Green New Deal, but using other words, you know Because it's a job creator, we will get the Green New Deal. We will get all of these policies, bar none. But it requires us staying engaged. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this, baby. I am what? Out!
we spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.